Welcome to another episode of Campus Life. Not Canton Bound here this episode. We're continuing our summer preview series here, going conference by conference all across the country, covering every school and telling you who you need to be rostering on these teams. I'm joined, as always, here by Colin. But it's not just the two of us here tonight, Colin. We've got we've got a, a third special guest here. As we mentioned last week, uh, we're going to have a little segment at the beginning of every episode asking three questions to a to a new guest. This week's guest is Noah Green. Go ahead. We give you all of his details here in the interview. Go ahead and give him a follow. Check out all of his work. Uh, we're going to be continuing this series interviewing um, just people that are new to the Debbie CFF C2C uh, and college football content space. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this interview with Noah, and then we will dive right in to the ACC tonight. All right, guys, we have our first guest of the series here, and we are very excited to get with chat with him. We've we've been talking here for the past few minutes, and I can already tell this is going to be a really good conversation. We are joined by Noah Green. You can find him at Noah underscore FF underscore Green on Twitter. He's been doing some work for Dynasty Pros, um, got some articles on the way. I've done a couple podcasts with them, and then he is affiliated with Smash Accept as well noah welcome to the show i'm just i just want to hear about your your foray into c2c and debbie and cff and all these things here this off season uh yeah so austin and colin it's just awesome to be here and talk with y'all um your work has been fundamental especially in the last few months as i've gotten into this new space um i literally am I am new to the Devi and C2C space as of this offseason. Um, I started by doing a an intro to Devi draft that was hosted by um, by Nerdboy, um, which was awesome. He's a great dude also, um, and totally check him out on Twitter as well. Uh, so he hosted a Devi draft, and I was on the clock and kind of trying to reach out for help. When I joined the Devi draft, I signed up for C2C. Um, and then went into your Discord, and uh, Felix Sharp like responded to one of my questions about who to pick, um, and we got on an audio chat real fast. And in that chat, Felix literally explained to me what C2C was. I did not know what it was at all. Like I was like, "What's the difference between C2C and Devi?" Um, so he explained to me what C2C was, um, and I was immediately turned on to the idea. Um, I am a college football guy through and through. Um, I'll say proudly that I went to USC from 02 to 06. Um, I've loved college football forever and always watched it. I really just didn't know that there was such an active college fantasy space. And so when I learned about it, I joined a C2C league um, with Matthew Tincher that he was hosting. Um, he's also an awesome dude. Um, at FF Chris B was part of that league, um, a bunch of guys in the space and literally have been kind of learning through doing drafts um, and through chatting with people about the space. And the more that I, I would say that it really uh, has just reignited my love and passion for fantasy football overall. Um, you know, fantasy football is in an interesting space. I was at the live uh, Scott Fishbowl draft in NYC this weekend, which just nice. shout out to everybody who put that on. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, it was just amazing. 
live drafting so fun and if anyone can do live drafts do them they're just awesome but uh but yeah i was talking with people there and it's like the nfl space i love it and i love playing dynasty uh for sure and always have but it i just kind of felt i would gotten to a point where i was feeling just a little stuck in the space just like it was this kind of kind of started to feel a little bit like the same thing over and over again so when I chatted with Felix and got a sense of this, I was just sort of reinvigorated and re-excited um, about the space. And by the way, that pick that he we he and I chatted about ended up being Antonio Williams at 412 of a Debbie draft, which nice. is insane value. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I like it because I remember I chatted with him and I was like, I'm reading stuff and it seems weird that he's here. And Felix was like, if you don't make that pick, I'm going to kill you. Like, so... <laughs> Um, that was he's, he, that, that he's he's our best customer service rep, believe it or not. So with that kind of talk, yeah, <laughs> it's not surprising. He's so good. Um, and he had spent time at UCLA, so we were chatting West Coast football. Um, so we had a great chat. Um, but I'm sure it's easy to hear. Like, I just long had a long standing passion for college football, and just getting into this space has been so exciting. Um, and just uh, the more I learn about it, the more I want to learn about it. And the more I'm just trying things. And I think the cool thing about college is when you're looking at the college football landscape, it's just so broad. Um, there are so many players in so many places. Um, there are certainly things that you can do to organize your thinking around the space and around what makes a what is likely to make a player be successful. Um, you know, one of the when we talk about my sleeper pick, uh, I'm going to reference, I'm going to use some year one zero concepts in terms of that pick, in terms of my getting also excited here Yeah, in terms of my choice. Cause that, that was foundation. I was like, Oh wow, that's really interesting. That was like foundational for me in terms of thinking through, cause I am a data guy by, by nature, um, and metrics. Um, I also love watching films. So I'll, I'll talk about some film things too, but like, um, I just am so excited to be in this space. Uh, and, get to start writing some articles and just keep chatting and learning with people who have been in the space, who know things, love football, love talking about it. As it probably comes through, I have a lot of passion around it. Um, and I love writing. So I'm super excited to be getting, having the opportunity to get into the writing space. Um, and I encourage you, you know, give me a follow. I'm going to be putting out more and more stuff uh, in these next few months as I dive into it. Cause I can already feel myself, um, just taking that plunge, even though it's early. What kind of um, written content can people expect from you, Noah, if they're looking for it? Is it going to be, you know, C2C from, because I'm, I, we have similar backgrounds. So, you know, kind of more from that Debbie type of mindset uh, approach kind of, kind of uh, content. Is that, is that what you're going to be doing? Yeah, I, my content will definitely be more Debbie focused um, and more focused on profiling like CFF production with, a lead into guys that are going to have NFL potential more so than straight CFF production in and of it for the sake of CFF production. Um, my expertise is just not as high around re actual full CFF production. As I said, I've done a few drafts largely because I just want to expand my knowledge and you're seeing more. And I think that to get your, get myself into that knowledge will help with, my Debbie NC2C and even NFL work just because it's going to force me to broaden my landscape beyond sort of just a Debbie draft. Um, and that's what I found when I got into C2C was, oh, this is really forcing me to go 
way deeper. It's a 45 round draft. Like this is just forcing me to go way deeper. And I loved the deeper rounds because it was just so fun. Like it was so fun, but yeah, you will, you will see a Debbie, a Debbie angle for me. And you will see me using a lot of the tools that you have on C2C um, around data plotting and, you know, looking at metrics, advanced metrics for guys and how those project to potential NFL seasons. That's definitely going to be the angle that I look at. Um, and the guys I'm going to talk about today are, are, are guys that will come from that lens of, you know, what does it look like in terms of their potential for yes, college production, but also going like also going to the next level, which C2C is really the perfect thing. What I think I'm finding as I'm in this space now is that C2C is the sweet spot that I think I kind of am falling into and loving. Um, I started a Debbie draft with a bunch of folks on the Smash Discord and some other folks from Twitter that I that I created as a new to Debbie space. Because what I'm trying to do, because it's been so fun to me, is to get um, get more people trying this space. And I think Debbie is a good place to start to try the space. Um, what I'm finding in my Debbie draft already is I'm like looking at my board. I'm like, I really wish this was C2C. <laughs> like, I really wish that the players I'm drafting, I could also be thinking about the college production of them. Like that would be super fun. So I do like the two together, but, um, I'm definitely thinking of, you know, NFL landscape guys and, and guys that have a potential to, to project at the next level and where they have a potential to project. Um, so that's going to be more of my focus and my content. I mean, that's that's music to our ears here. That's pretty much exactly how we got into this space. And, and it mirrors our thoughts. Uh, exactly. I don't want to put words in Austin's mouth, but yeah, please I, don't. I mean, please don't. Um, <laughs> when uh, once you join C2C, you know, a C2C league, it just the NFL side just doesn't quite feel the same. So I'm I won't join any other leagues beside that aren't C2C yes. anymore. Um, all right, well, let's get into the interview here yeah. with the questions. So we're going to ask three questions. Uh, we did our series uh, on the last episode. So uh, for anybody who's not familiar with you can check that one out. But it's uh, going to be one player who helps their stock the most this season, one player who hurts their stock the most this season, and one bold prediction. You can go any direction you want with these, Devi, CFF, C2C, uh, NFL draft related whatever you're feeling. So we'll start with the first one. Who is the player that you think will help themselves the most this season? So I love these questions. Um, incredibly hard to, to drill it down. And they, just, they give us a glimpse into your soul, your answers. <laughs> they just, really you know, do. Everything I need to know about, you know, I'll know. Really thinking and I'm like, man, I'm now going to be like, right. These players are going to be next to my name etched in forever forever tied to them. Um, no. So when I was thinking about, about increase in value, a player, a player who's going to increase in value, um, I was really tempted. So I am thinking about this from a C2C and Debbie perspective, both um, a little bit more Debbie leaning, but definitely with a C2C undertone. Um, I was real tempted to think about 2026 freshman. Um, Cam Selden was one I was thinking about doing. Um, Love that. Love him a lot. I think he will increase his value this year. I thought about uh, Nicholas Harbor was another one I thought about. Um, I decided to go with Trevor Etienne uh, for my player who I think is going to increase his value this season. Um, and so when I looked into this, what I was really looking at and trying to think about is 
a where is the what, increase in value so where is the value being thought about right now for a player and why does that player have an opportunity to to help themselves improve their value and their stock both as a c2c producer this year as a college producer this year and in terms of going to the next level um and Trevor Etienne, who I, I happened to just draft, which is part of the reason he came to mind, uh, really stood out to me as somebody who I think can do that. Um, so Etienne was a, he is the brother of Travis Etienne, uh, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, he was a four-star recruit last year, but not not in the top 10 of, of running backs coming out in the 22 class. Um, had offers from LSU, Clemson, et cetera, chose to go to Florida and really just showed up um, in his freshman year. Um, he showed up and produced. Um, he had over 700 yards rushing on 111 carries with over six yards of carry. Um, he only had nine receptions. One of the reasons I'm choosing him as a player who I think is gonna increase his value is because I think that was, I think that was low and that was a space where I really looked into the tape and what I saw on the tape from Trevor Etienne is not just the nine receptions, but what type of receptions they are and what type of ability he seems to have. What I really liked about it was even early in the season, they were splitting him out. They were actually splitting him out wide and running wide receiver screens for him. Um, and also he can certainly flush out of the backfield, but he can hit the slot and line up out wide. And he has really nice hands. Um, and I think he can catch more passes. Also, Anthony Richardson being the quarterback last year did not help him as a pass-catching running back because Richardson, that uh, that profile of QB is not a dump-off type of QB. So now, why do I think this year is going to be a big year for him? So um, I got to give a shout-out to Andy Pham, who wrote an awesome article about uh, Trevor Etienne recently. Um so ETN, um, first of all, his efficiency metrics are were incredibly strong uh, as a freshman. So like two that Andy that I had actually looked at on the C2C site and then I saw Andy had put the screenshots in his article um, were yard, like comparing to other freshman running backs last year. So ETN was number two in yards created to Nick Singleton, even higher than Quinchon Judkins, who obviously like that class, Nick Singleton and Quinchon Judkins are talked about as being the kind of solidified top two in this class. I personally think ETN uh, can, I, I would predict he's going to slip into the three spot. I think he can take that three spot and um, certainly that's a high end projection, but I, I, I think he's got it there. Uh, his breakaway rush rate was number three in the class, just behind, like just behind uh, Singleton and Judkins. Singleton actually was a little far ahead of both him and Judkins, but he was just like neck and neck with Judkins. Um, and obviously he got less work than Judkins. So um, Judkins gets a lot more noise. When you watch the tape, you can make an, I can make an argument watching the tape that Trevor Etienne stylistically is a better suited running back to today's NFL, even than Quinchon Judkins is. I'm not arguing that he is, that I would take him over Quinchon Judkins in a Debbie draft. I wouldn't, um, or even a C2C draft. I definitely wouldn't because Judkins is going to get more in that backfield. But I also think I did, I ran the comps on a bunch of his metrics compared to Montrell Johnson, who he shares a backfield with. So one of the things about ETN last year coming in as a true freshman is he came in with Montrell Johnson in that backfield and Montrell um, is a good college running back. 
Uh, he's not uh, he's not, not necessarily spectacular, but he is good. Um, ETN's carries in the first five games of the season were 35, and in the last five games of the season were 57. So you could see his workload increasing as the season went along and as Florida kind of realized what they had. I also think giving over 110 carries to a freshman indicates how high to a true freshman when you have a solid college back in the backfield shows how that coaching staff feels about him. Um, and Florida this year is not going to be very good. Um, Graham Mertz is the QB. Uh, Graham Mertz is not a good QB. If anyone is listening and wondering, he's, he's just not, he's not good at football. Um, and, um, he also though is gonna, is gonna throw the ball more. Um, and he's gonna, he's definitely going to dump off more. And I think that Trevor Etienne is going to see an increase in his workload in that backfield compared to Montreal in year two. Um, I just think he's too electric to keep off the field. And I think when you look at how much work they gave him as a true freshman, when you think about what he can do as a sophomore, I think he's going to see an even bigger spike in his percentage compared to Montrell. That will be an interesting thing to watch. I don't think they're going to take Montrell off the field. I think it's possible that Montrell could still out carry him this year, but I think the gap will shrink. Um, Montrell had 40 carries, I think more than him last year. I think he'll have, I think that gap will shrink this year. And I think receiving wise, I think you'll see Trevor Etienne get more work out of the backfield. Um, and I think he could be a thousand yard guy. Like, I think, I, I think Florida could be one of those teams that ends up having two. I think what they have on offense that's going to work is running the ball. I don't think throwing the ball is going to work a lot. Um, I think they'll have to run the ball even a bit when they're behind. Uh, and I think because they're playing behind, they will throw more to the running backs. And I would love to see, and I think we could see ETN double, maybe even close to triple his reception total from this past year and get up into that, um, get up into that tier of receiving back that we like to see for going into the NFL. Um, he wasn't too far off it, even in, um, even in his adjusted, um, receiving yards per team attempt, which is a big predictor of NFL success. He's right about at the tier in his year one for a 20, for a top 24 NFL, uh, sorry, a top 12 NFL back season. So he's, he's right where you want him to be as a freshman, uh, coming in already. So any jump in that is going to move him up more. Uh, and I just think the situation with the team being how it is and, he definitely, the name value will certainly help him. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to increase in value that you can currently get. Like I just got him in the fifth round of a Debbie startup. Um, you can get him in that range, fifth to sixth round in C2C startups next year. This year, I could see him slipping up into the third um, round next year, early third round, even next year, um, maybe even high second as somebody who's going to be a potential top five and maybe even top three back in the 25 class. Oh, I know Colin likes that. Yeah. Colin was a big ETN guy <laughs> last year. I called him fat. Um, yeah. Well, he was. He lost a lot of weight though, man. Come he on. did. He did. Yeah. He, he needed, to, needed to reshape the body a bit. But yeah, I was I was a big ETN guy, man. So you're preaching to the choir here. I love it. Um, I think that too, like the pass catching, he's he was solid in high school. It's nice to see him take those steps. I think he takes some more steps moving forward. So I like that call on ETN. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's do the inverse then. If if ETN's going to help himself this year, who out there is uh, is stocks going to be dropping a little bit here in 2023? So I'm sticking with running backs. Uh, This pick on a on a human level and a personal level hurt my soul because I love this player. Um, uh, So this player, uh, so Biff Pogey, who's now the coach at Charlotte, uh, was the coach of my high school when I went there. Uh, Oh, that's cool. In Baltimore. And so I followed his career like incredibly closely. Um, and Blake Corum played for Biff Pogey at St. Francis Academy, which that is an amazing story. What Biff did with St. Francis Academy is an absolutely amazing story. Um, he obviously left, went to Michigan and now to Charlotte, left a guy, Henry Russell, as the current head coach who I went to high school and like played middle school baseball against. Henry's a great guy too. So shout out to, to everyone with the St. Francis program. They literally took, created a program from scratch in the inner city in Baltimore um, and turned it into a top 20 national high school program within the, within the span of like, note like instantly um it was just an incredible um piece of work and blake quorum is an amazing football player and i adore him to death so as i said it really hurts my soul to to list him here as somebody whose value i think is going to regress but you got to choose someone um and i unfortunately see the writing on the wall for blake as somebody whose value i think is going to decrease and again let's start with where current value is so like the athletic which is a super well reputed and well read um well-read magazine, uh, sports um, journalism space, uh, put Blake Corum recently was ranked as the top running back going into 2024 for them. Um, He had an incredible season last year. He won a lot of people CFF titles last year and college side C2C titles last year. Um, Had an unfortunate injury in week 11 uh, that sat him out for the Ohio State game and uh, and beyond. Um, And then there was a question of whether he would go to the draft or not, where he was being talked about as a borderline day to pick maybe a, maybe a third round pick this year. Uh, he decided to come back. Now I did a little research, um, talked to a friend who's very close to the Michigan program to just get a sense of whether when I was making this take, just to, just to sanity check myself against somebody super close to that program. Um, he said it was interesting because he had seen in, a couple of the Michigan blogs that he follows that it sounded like Harbaugh almost encouraged Coram to go pro this year. Um, but he didn't actually take that leap. Um, and I think, um, coming back, I think is going to, and, and the reason he said he was going to come back is he really wanted to play against Ohio state and the TCU game left a terrible taste in his mouth. Blake Coram is a stand-up dude. Who's a really good football player who I love. And so again, I just want to state, I don't think the reason Blake Corum stock is going to drop is because of anything to do with him. I think it's to do with the whole situation. So I think he is also in a backfield chair with Donovan Edwards and I ran efficiency metrics. I ran the following metrics from last year and I was looking at two things. I was looking at last year's metrics, but also at Corum's year two versus Edwards year two, in addition to Corum's year three versus Edwards year three. So his, Rush yards over expected were far lower than Edwards. That might be due to increased volume that he had. He had a lot more volume in his carries, but he is like run him against like Raheem Sanders. And it's not, it's not close. Like it's not in the, it's not in the ballpark next to other guys who had a high workload. 
Um, his yards per touch were lower than Edwards. His explosive rush rate was lower than Edwards. His backfield dominator rate was lower than Edwards. His receiving yards per term for t- per team pass attempt were lower than Edwards. His yards per carry over team were lower than Edwards. More concerning, every single one of those metrics that I listed, he declined from year two to year three. Um, so despite the high production last year, his efficiency declined, which when we're looking at stuff for next level projections, you have to look not just at the raw numbers, but also at efficiency numbers. NFL teams look at that stuff. I don't love that the efficiency decreased. Um, Blake Corum is listed at 5'8". Uh, I think he's, as we know, college sites add an inch, sometimes two. I was going to ask you about this. So I'm, I was going to ask you, what, how much do you think he weighs and how tall do you think he I, so, so I got So I got some insider info from this. Um, there's a guy that I'm in a fantasy league with who lives in Blake Corum's apartment complex. And he is 5'9". And he says that he runs into Blake Corum and he is literally, like he is notably looking down at Blake Corum when he runs into him. So, and you know, like I'm, I was joking with my friend, like I'm six feet. If a friend is 5'11", like I'm not looking down at him. Like you gotta be 5'10 below for me to be looking down. So my guess is that Blake Corum is actually, I'm gonna guess he will measure in at, if he measures in at 5'7", I think that will be a win for him. Um, I, 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 and I don't think it'll be five, seven and a half. I think that's not going to happen. So that's how tall I think he is. I think he's probably between five, six and a half and five, seven and a half somewhere in there in terms of weight. He is actually really thick. So I think he does probably weigh 200. I think he's lifted as 210, and I don't think he's 210. Dane Brugler put him as 219 last week, and I almost yes, fell out I, of my that, chest. That, I, do not, I do not buy 219. <laughs> no, 219 that, verified. There, there was there's a V on zero that. chance he's 219 um, because he's not 5'8". So even though he's big, um, and he's got a lot, like lower body strength is off the charts for him. He's got... He's very thick in the lower body and a very good, and he's a very good running back. But I just think it's, I just think the writing is on the wall for him to have a less productive college season than he did last year. Um, I think that his NFL draft stock, I don't see him as a two day two guy anymore. Um, I think for him to maintain day two profile, he has to match what he did last year. And in order to increase it, uh, he may have to like win the Heisman or something. Um, I just think that isn't in the cards. Donovan Edwards is to me, a better running back, a better NFL running back and is bigger. Um, I think that the share and split between Quorum and Edwards is going to get closer this year. Again, I'm not similar to, I'm not saying Edwards may, I'm not saying Edwards will definitely have more carries at the end of the year, but I think it'll be much closer than it was last year because when Quorum went out, Anyone who watched the Ohio State game saw what Edwards can do. And Edwards has pass ca- has pass catching on lock. So Blake Corum is a, let's go with our actual numbers. If Blake Corum is a 5'7", 205-210 to back, who isn't an amazing pass catcher, who's kind of a between-the-tackles runner, whose actual rushing efficiency has been decreasing, and who's coming off an injury... I, the project to me, it's just uh, his value decreasing is just, it looks like it's just going to happen. And there's also a lot of chatter in the Michigan boards that they may diversify their offense a bit and may actually try to dial back carries for both Quorum and Edwards. Um, They may want to get JJ McCarthy throwing the ball around a little more. 
I just think his numbers will not match what they did last year. Um, and I think, unfortunately, he's a guy whose value is going to decrease both on the college level for this year and then potentially translating over to the NFL. I think he is not going to be a top five back in the 24 class when all is said and done. There are too many other talents that are similar and or going to eclipse him. And uh, I unfortunately think his value is going to decrease. Again, I hate making the take because um, I love the player, but sometimes you got to make tough calls. We actually also have a weird connection with a family friend of his who told us that he's not 5'9". So, um, no. <laughs> there's no way. Close. Yeah. No, there's no way. Yeah. And I actually, I, I think he's lighter than you think. I think he's like 195, 198. I could see it. Yeah, I could see I, it. I think he's light. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see if he plays the game where he bulks and then doesn't run at the combine and then lose. I, I, we're, I think we're going to see some shenanigans with that, too, with him, which is always I a, think right. a fun. And that usually is an indicator that, yeah, somebody's not as big as they say they are. They're not as fast as they say they are. So, yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. So he's unfortunately my my decrease my decrease in value guy. Um, I hope I hope he proves me wrong for the sake of him, but uh, I I hope so too because I have a bet with Matt Bruning going uh, another guy at our site that Blake Corum will get drafted on day two. Um, the, tattoo the five... bet? What are, what are we talking? What are the stakes here, Colin? No, it's not a tattoo bet. I don't remember exactly what it was like. I. <laughs> I think I it's like a home field apparel bet, like mm. to buy something for him from home field, or, or he would get me like a custom C2C robe or something along those lines. I forgot about the C2C. Um, but so I'm I am hoping you're wrong, but uh, my confidence is waning a bit. Yeah. But uh, last question we have for you yeah. here: What is your bold take? For the 2023 spicy. we're talking spicy right, talking I spicy you, I, I got spice for you so my bold pick for this college season and beyond is that mikey matthews wide receiver freshman wide receiver at utah will end the season as a top 15 and possibly top 10 wide receiver in the 26 class at the end of this season um so mikey matthews is again his size is not in his favor uh he's a smaller guy he's listed at 510 185 so let's play the quorum game he's probably 5859 175 180. um mikey matthews so i caught a video I found Mikey Matthews while I was doing my C2C draft in the later rounds and looking for sleepers. And I found a video of him making this otherworldly, like puts George Pickens to shame one-handed catch over two defenders. And Nico Iamaliva retweeted it with Mikey Matthews is him, H-I-M in all caps. And I was like, interesting. Uh, and I started to look into it more. Um, the UA All-American Bowl, Mikey Matthews absolutely smashed at that game and all throughout the weekend practices. He was, there is video of him shredding top five, five-star cornerbacks in practice. Um, he caught an unbelievable touchdown in the actual game from Jackson Arnold, where you watch the video and you're like, how did this dude catch that? Like, I, it's like, how did this dude actually catch this ball? It just like, doesn't, you're like, I don't understand. The coverage was blanketed. He totally caught it. Um, 
the word on him after that game was that he was beating everybody, getting open everywhere, running every single route. He runs inside, he runs outside. Um, and he's just, he, he just, you watch him and you're like, he gets open and he makes every type of catch. I mean, he makes over the shoulder catches. He makes everything. He went into Utah. He went to Utah. He was, he was a four-star recruit. And so he's listed, um, consensus on three has him listed as wide receiver 34 in this class right now. Um, he chose Utah over Michigan. He had offers from Michigan, Colorado, Tennessee, Arizona, ASU. He chose Utah. I like the Utah landing spot for him. Um, Cam Rising came out three days ago and was quoted as saying he reminds him of Britton Covey, who was a really, really good Utah wide receiver who actually plays mostly special teams, but a little wide receiver for the Eagles now. Um and I think what I think about Mikey Matthews is I think Mikey Matthews as a freshman is going to hit the year one zero benchmarks in receptions and receiving yards. I could see him hitting it in return yards also if he gets some run as a returner. Um, in the spring game, he led all receivers with seven catches and was literally seven for seven, like seven targets, seven catches um, running with the first team. The depth chart there is Devon Vale, Micah Pittman, um, Money Parks. I actually also like Money Parks um, a good amount, but I think Mikey is going to work his way onto the field. He just, the word about him and what I've seen on tape is just, he really looks like one of these guys who just is an amazing receiver. And I think he's going to beat the size game. Um, he also looks bigger at Utah than he did in high school to me, like just watching what he looks like now, it already looks like he's putting on some weight. Um, and I think he's going to end up being talked about as a guy who's like a top 10 to 15 receiver in this, in this freshman class by the end of the year. Cause if he hits those year one, zero projections, as we know, that changes the game for how we think about, uh, him going beyond. Um, and I just think he's so good at football. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about him. Um, I, I have drafted him in a few places now, the more that I learn about him and every single report I hear, everything I read, I'm just like, this guy seems like the real deal and I could see him sneaking up in there. And as far as NFL projections go, I think he's more of a true receiver even than Covey was. Um, and I think he could, if he stays really strong in this Utah program and keeps his role, I could see him working his way into some level of NFL projection. I'm not sure he gets day two, but I'm not, I'm not ruling it out yet. He could, he, he has the, he has the, um, I think he has the chops to get there, to be honest. I think he's good enough as a receiver against high level competition that he could get there. There we go. I like that one. That was not a, a take I expected to hear during this series. So yeah, uh, you don't hear I, a lot I, about I like Mikey the, Matthews. Yeah, like don't. And I'm like, I want to be like, when Mikey hits, like, I want to be out in front of like, <laughs> I, I, I just like, there's not, there's so many reasons to be like, yeah, he's just this like guy in the mid thirty, like this random four star in the mid thirties who, who knows what happens. I just look at it and I'm like, he's just been crushing everywhere. Like, let's see where this goes. If he does okay. it, we'll have you back on the show and yes. you can victory lap and give us some more, <laughs> some more bold takes. So. Amazing. I love that. All right. Well, we lied. We do have one more question for you. Uh, this is an audio platform, but your cat just joined us on screen. What's your cat's yeah. name? My cat's name is Mello, M-E-L-L-O. Um, I adopted him 
I live in New York City. I live in Harlem. Um, he followed me home. I adopted him in 2008, where he followed me home and I would feed him. And then I adopted him the week that Obama got elected. So that's how old he is. He is 17, but like just rocking and rolling like he was born yesterday. Um, you know, he is the DeAndre Hopkins of cats. He's just like, <laughs> I know he's old, but he's just still rocking. Um, and he has no tail because he had a neurological disease where he thought his, which cats get called feline hyperesthesia, where they think their tail's attacking them. And so when he was a young guy, he would like, he literally almost bit his own tail off and did a bunch of stuff and finally got it amputated. And he has been such a happy dude since. So um, he's a rock star. Man, a cat following me home is my dream. You can ask my wife. Literally, I, she, she's worried every day when I, I, go, I go out for a lunchtime walk. She's like, I'm going to come home to a cat here. <laughs> you are, yeah, that's what I did to my roommates. They didn't want an, They didn't want an animal. And I was like, he was coming home. I'm like, I'm just we're taking him in. Um, yeah, great dude. Um, he will be on any anytime I'm on a video pod. He will, without a doubt, make make an entrance. Awesome. All right. Well, Noah, thank you again for joining us again, guys. Go give Noah a follow. Checking in with what he's got going on. We are talking uh, on Twitter at Noah underscore FF underscore green. And then you can find some of his work again over at Dynasty Pros and with Smash Accept as well. Noah, it was a pleasure to get to know you. Look forward to talking to you more. And yeah, if, if Matthews hits, you're uh, you're coming back on the show. So uh, stay tuned for that. Can't wait. Uh... Colin and Austin, cannot appreciate you enough for having me on and just for all the work you're doing to amplify amplify platforms for people like new and getting into the space. Um, I just love, as I said, I love what you're what y'all are doing and y'all really helped me get into this space and uh, just ignited a passion for me. And um, I want to do the same for others. Uh, and so that's why I'm so thankful to guys like you who just pay it forward. So thanks for all you're doing. No, no problem. Course, we did not yeah. give him that read. He we said did that not. On no, 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 we love hearing it. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. As this was, I've never really interacted with Noah before. I'm not going to lie. This guy I seems haven't. like a great dude. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell there's, there's a lot of passion there about college football, uh, about C2C in general and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great interview. Um, and I look forward to interacting with him more because I, I haven't really interacted with him too much before either. Um, so that's, I think he said he was in our Discord, but. He is. Yeah, I've seen him in there. But I I mean, I probably tried chatted with him, but like not, you yeah. know, not really. I I very rarely am actually like really looking at the, who the poster is outside of right. like, you know, a handful yeah. of people that I just recognize their, their uh, the little icon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Good dude. Go give Noah a follow there. Um, and I like, yeah, that he, he is still very upbeat and he has not been beaten down yet by <laughs> everything that goes <laughs> into this space. All right, Colin, let, let's dive into the ACC here. I think we're going to have a little more to talk about than we did with the AAC earlier this week. We're doing alphabetical here. We're not going by, you know, who we think is going to win the conference in order or anything. So let's start with Boston College. They are first here. Probably the only time Boston College is going to be first on anything this season. Um, <laughs> I wrote down a couple of names here. I think I would, I'm completely fine to not have a single Boston College player rostered in any league, like a normal 12 team, 45 man roster. I think you can argue for Ryan O'Keefe, 
the transfer mm-hmm. wide receiver in from uh, UCF, taking on that Zay Flowers role. But he's not Zay Flowers. Right. And I'm not sure exactly what the quarterback play is going to be this year. They have Emmett Moorhead, I believe, is there, QB. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that he's a must-have by any stretch. I mean, the only other guy that I'm interested in here is Tackix, or however you say his last name, the tight end. And again, he's a guy that if we talked about this a little bit last week, if I don't have one of those anchor tight ends, those top two, three, four kind of guys, and I need five tight ends on my roster to kind of pick and choose my matchups and everything, he's the kind of guy that I, I want in that kind of setting. But otherwise, I don't have a lot of interest in him. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on like a, a maybe with tactics. I have him in like one or two places. I, if he's, you know, like you said, if I don't have, a, if I don't feel great at tight end and I waited and waited and waited and, you know, I'm in a league with Chris Moxley who has seven tight ends in every roster. That's it. <laughs> Chris, then, Chris, Chris takes bully tight end to the whole next, uh, whole next level. He'll, he'll walk out of a draft with 10 and feel no shame. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, a, a, I, I'm with you with the maybe with, uh, with him, but I would want to roster O'Keefe. Um, and I mean, I wrote about him on my Debbie honorable mentions article, Debbie guide, honorable mentions article, the one article I write a year. Um, I, I did write about him. I think the NFL is really going to like his speed. Uh, and he, he's a field stretcher. Um, you know, he's going to serve a role for an NFL team, I think. So I think he gets drafted um, probably not day two, but crazier things have happened um, there. There don't, don't even put him in day two in the same sentence. He's not going to go day two, Colin. He's like, he's said a worse Trey Palmer. Who would have said that about like Velas Jones or some of these other Taekwon Thornton, you know? So like, I, I smell a home field bet. I smell a home field bet. I'm not going to bet on it. Because I think it's no like five, 5% chance that he goes day two, but I think he gets drafted. And at Boston College, so Zay Flowers last year finishes the wide receiver eight, uh, 21.87 fantasy points per game. And Emmett Moorhead was, he had some flashes. He had some decent games. There were two games where he scored over 30 fantasy points. So if they can get stable QB play, I think Ryan O'Keefe can be a startable flex type option for you depending on the matchup uh, the acc a little weaker on defenses um so there i am i'm interested in o'keefe i mean last year he was the wide receiver 47 um average 16.69 fantasy points per game he averages 12 yards per reception for his career so he's like a guy who can just bust off some big plays so definitely better in best ball but I think I would still roster him in even an average like 12 team standard league. Uh, and if I had to start him in a pinch, I wouldn't feel awful about it depending on the matchup. Better in best ball famous last words. Um, That's a catch all. You just say it for anybody better in best ball. Emmett Moorhead's really, he, he's huge, right? He's like six, five, two thirty, yeah, something like that. Dude. He's a big yeah. dude. There's no, there's no rushing upside at all, which is really just what makes it like, it's, it's one of those, are they going to pass the ball enough mm-hmm. for him to be fancy yeah. relevant with no well, rushing upside? And I think the answer, I mean, I think the answer pretty clearly is no personally, yeah. obviously there's, it, it's not a 0% chance, but it can't be any greater than five or 10% that he has a season that makes me moderately interested in him at this stage. Yeah, not Moorhead, uh, but I mean, Boston College last year was 30th in neutral game script pass rate and 56th in pace. So like 
They're I don't even think 30th is enough, though. Like, I think for you to have that little rushing upside, you have to be like, oh, I'm no, no, I, I agree with you on Moorhead. I'm talking more for O'Keefe. Okay. Like, I think okay. the there will be passing volume there. Um, they were 130th last year in line yards, so that obviously has to improve, but can't get any worse, can it? I mean, I hope not. Slightly. <laughs> Technically, they had two teams like, and they yeah. weren't last, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, with more with O'Keefe, Moorhead, I, I he's not rosterable in my opinion. Um, I in a 24 team start two QB start five in a super flex league. Like I would consider rostering him in some, in a deep, deep format like that. But other than that, no, but O'Keefe, like I said, do you, the, do you think he'll go in that three QB league that we're doing right now? That's a good question. No, I don't think he will, but I will say EJ Warner went significantly earlier than I was expecting. We talked about him last week, right? About how we, we did. Yeah, yeah. are not as intrigued by him. Yeah. And I actually, it's funny, BTR, burning the red shirt, um, go ahead, give them a, a, a subscribe, a, a rate and review if you haven't already there. They're a great show there. They had uh, Josh Chevalier on this mm-hmm. week to talk ACC. Or no, they talked AAC. Sorry, a- who we talked about last A-C-C week. ACC is Kyle Francis. And um, they mentioned Temple. And I think... Sometimes like one guy kind of talks about the team and then they don't really dish out a ton of like disagreement. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say it was the consensus opinion, but none of them seemed very excited about Temple and EJ Warner. And they actually even went so far as to equate it sort of to the end of 2020 or 2021. Uh, that year that ECU down the stretch threw the ball a, a ton and Holton Allers had like a, a, a great numbers and all the receivers had great numbers. Um, and then they came out the next year and like did not replicate the the volume and did not replicate, you know, just everything they had going on and all that. They basically all fell apart. And I think I, I could definitely see that happening with Temple this year. I know we already talked about AAC and this is not the AAC show, but EJ Warner. Yeah. Uh, interesting guy there. Let's go yeah, to Clemson. So I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. So I don't know. I don't think he gets drafted in our three QB league. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Let's go to Clemson. They're next up on the list here. Uh, been the toast of the ACC uh, pretty regularly here over the past decade or so. New offensive coordinator, which I think all of a sudden makes this team a lot more interesting. So I think the questions for this team now become less, um, will the system allow for anybody to really perform outside of maybe a running back and, and maybe one wide receiver to, like, who are we interested in amongst some of these guys? And I think they're still a year away from some of these rooms being beefed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I feel like I have a good handle on who I expect to do well this year. But let's talk through this a little bit. Let's start with Klubnik. Kate Klubnik coming into quarterback. He started the bowl game. Did he start, like, one or two other games, too? He got time and yeah. several other games, um, mm-hmm. I know for sure. Um looked like a freshman. Uh, like, up and down, had some good moments, had some, um, some, some questionable ones. I believe the... Was it against Notre Dame where they brought him in and he yeah. threw that pick from like his own end zone or very, very close to it, like on his first or second play after they benched DJ and they brought DJ back out? Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about him from a production standpoint this year. How do you feel about Club Nick? Just, you know, let's ignore any sort of Debbie value for the second. Just talk about Club Nick passing this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think Club Nick is a better quarterback than um max dugan 
who Max Dugan was a top 10 quarterback last year in, in most formats. Um, so, you know, if, if he can be, if Dugan can be that good, it Klubnik doesn't have quite that rush, the, the rushing that Dugan does. So I was going to ask you, yeah, I, that that's a little yeah. bit of a separator there for me a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying, I think that that is a good indicator that Klubnik can be a starter worthy. Um, I mean, right. Garrett Riley last year, they were second in EPA per play at TCU uh, fourth in neutral game script pass rate. Um, oddly enough, they were 115th in pace, but the year before that with Riley, I found that really interesting too. Yeah. Um, but the year before that at T at uh, SMU with Riley and Dykes, um, they were 25th in pace. So I think that was more of an aberration last year. I think this will be a, a team that will operate still with some pace. Um, you know, maybe they're not quite as efficient as second in EPA per play, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to move the ball pretty quickly. Um, so I do like, do like Klubnik as a, as a starter. I am cautiously optimistic. It's actually really interesting because from a, just like efficiency perspective, Duggan was not actually significantly better last year than he was in 2021. It really was just a volume type. Yeah discussion with him now he only played 10 games uh in 2021 and he played 15 last year because obviously they made it the whole way right to the final but he completed literally basically the same exact percentage of his passes his yards per attempt were almost identical uh nine actually better his junior year nine to eight point eight and his average yard or uh, um uh, a couple of his other metrics were like you know right in line with each other the whole way but the touchdowns doubled essentially and that's because he threw almost 200 more passes. Now, again, I know it was five more games, but that's 40 passes. You know, he, he wasn't throwing 40 of those games. That, yeah. that doesn't bridge that gap. So I am cautiously optimistic that if you can get Klubnik throwing, um, you know, 30 times a game, that might be a little rich. That might not be rich. I think 30 times a game is fair. Yeah. If you can get him throwing 30 times a game, I think that's excellent. And I think um, because they actually – they have some talent at receiver. I mean, I think I think he can be I don't know. I always have a hard time like I don't do my own projections, so I don't like I, I usually message Chris K or, or Nikki and Allen or someone. I'm like, yeah. what do you have this guy down as in terms of like attempts? And they can kind of put it in perspective. And Chris will actually tell you, like, well, if I change his like, you know, average, you know, I, I can change attempts by like two or three attempts and see what that changes or completion percentage and he, he can play around the numbers and give you a range as to where he has a guy. But I think Klubnik is realistically could be a top 15 to 18 option. Just, I think the rush upside, I think they're going to want to rush him less because he's not a big dude at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about his, his receivers? We, we just mentioned him a bunch. I mean, I think without a, without a doubt in my head personally, I think the three best receivers on that team are Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, and Bo Collins. Now, yeah. Whether that's what we see week one as their three starters, I, I don't exactly know. But I think those are the very clear cream of that crop. And there are a couple other guys in there that are capable. But I, I think in terms of ceiling, there's there's not much more than, than what these three have. No, I would agree with that. I mean, I think Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, Bo Collins is a good wide receiver trio. So I would be pretty surprised if that's not the starting trio by the time they open in week one. Now, I know Randall and Bo Collins were both um, banged up a bit in the spring, but everything that I was seeing sounds like they're they're healthy now. They're going to be ready for fall. 
so they should be good. Um, so I, I do think that's going to be the trio. I like all three of these wide receivers. Antonio Williams, probably my favorite then Adam Randall, then Bo Collins, but that's not necessarily a knock on Bo Collins. Like, I think he's a solid receiver. Like he's, he's good. Um, but as I was like doing some research for this show, something I found really interesting and I, I don't know necessarily how much I'm going to use this as like a, a stock down or like a, 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 to inform my opinion on what I think of Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, Bo Collins for this year for production wise. But um, Garrett Riley has been with um, Sonny Dykes for uh, like six years. Um, or I think it's like five years, but Sonny Dykes wide receiver one at SMU before Garrett Riley got there uh, averaged 23 fantasy points per game. But with Riley, uh, the wide receiver one has only averaged 14, 15, and 11 fantasy points per game. Last year, Quentin Johnston, I know he got off to that slow start, uh, but he was still, he was wide receiver 93. And he only averaged 14 fantasy points per game. So I think that's, it's a really interesting stat because I don't know how much it's, I'm actually going to take away from that. I don't think that's Riley doing that. Um, I think it was probably just a product of, the way the system went and the talent that they had at that point. Um, But I just think it's something interesting to note. And it makes me temper expectations a little bit for Antonio Williams, who I assume to be the wide receiver one there this year in terms of production. Williams is one of those guys that I'm less concerned with exactly how productive he is in college, because I think he will be productive to some degree like i mm-hmm. i would be shocked if he is like 30 has 30 catches this year you know i think even if he's not a stud he'll be you know 50 for 850 and six or something it's like a a floor really i'm not worried like i don't even mind i think he's just going to be good in the nfl yeah so i like it 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 would be really lovely and i agree with you i think even leagues where i have him i'm not necessarily uh banking on him as a starter like if i have williams i think i want at least a couple other guys that that can fill in if that is the case but i do think um it is a valid concern i've heard a couple people talk about it um i honestly just think this offense is going to end up just i think he's clearly the best receiver on this team i think yeah going to end up finding him because he's so so good i and would it shock you if at some point this season either collins or randall is hurt which Absolutely not. Happens that would really not shock often. me at all. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if they moved Williams outside and they just play, played Brenningstool as a big slot. Yeah. That, that wouldn't shock me at all. So yeah, I, I could I see could him see getting some outside snaps too. Yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely capable of being an outside wide receiver. I think he has that versatility. Um, and like you said, I mean, I, I, I think he's going to be a good pro. I think he's going to be a good NFL wide receiver. So I'm not overly concerned with it, but I have him in a couple places and I was kind of hoping that Antonio Williams would be a starter for me. And I'm a little bit less sure about that now. Um, any grand takes on Randall or Collins? I do think Collins ha- can have a bounce back this year. I know he's had some drop issues or at least hasn't his catch percentages haven't been great. And Randall, I mean, it's just going to really come down to how healthy are those knees? Because as we yeah. found out, he had that procedure. He had that procedure. Tore the ACL. He had the procedure, mm-hmm. and then the second surgery was actually on the other knee. Yeah. So he's now got issues with both knees. Like, I don't know if that that makes me feel better that he 
it wasn't the same knee they went back in and cleaned up. If it was the other knee, like, I don't know if that makes me feel better or not, but it's still concerning that this dude's a 19 year old sophomore and he's already had two knee major knee surgeries. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see what the second one was. I thought it was more of just like a cleanup procedure, but it either was, way, yeah. it's still not good. Um, but with Randall, I mean, he, they posted that picture fairly recently. He's looking yoked. He's like six two, two thirty. Is that the first time we've used the word yoked on this podcast? Might be. It might be. Um, he's looking big. He's looking in, in, in like a, in like a good way. He was looking jacked. I, I, at 6'2", 230, I think he should probably drop a little bit of weight there. Um, but I don't have a grand take on Randall, but I do think there was a lot of really positive buzz around him in the spring last year, pre-ACL tear. He came back and like still beat the year one zero metrics. So I think that's a positive indicator I am cautiously optimistic on Randall. I mean, with that the league of record that we're in, we were just talking about that. I took him. Um, I think it was in like the seventh or eighth ish, somewhere around there, um, that I just took Randall. So like, I'm still in on Randall at like a decent price. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I find him intriguing, and I have stopped dropping him down my rankings. If that. Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't really been rising at all, but he stopped dropping. So uh, congratulations, Mr. Randall there. Uh, I guess we should flip to running back. You talked, yeah. did you talk, was Shipley your guy last week? No, that was two weeks ago. And we talked about players that have dropped in mm-hmm. our rankings and you talked about Shipley. So I don't need, I don't know that we need to necessarily do another deep dive into Will Shipley. I think we both voiced some concerns. How efficient of a runner is he? How physical of a runner is he? How... Well, rounded is he, how many, I think really his season comes down to how many targets does he get? Yes. Yeah. Because that running back room, this running back room is thin. They've missed out. They've done an awful job recruiting over the past couple of years. Uh, and they have, uh, this CJ Spiller. Yes. Spiller. Thank yeah. you. I knew it was a former, that blows uh, my mind that they Clem- can't Clemson back. Yeah. They've, better. they've tried to kind of play that game where they've missed out on some of their big targets late. And then they've kind of tried to get that, uh, big late riser. Uh, Andrew Paul two years ago, and they tried with somebody else last year and and also failed with them. Like they've whiffed. They do have a kid coming in next year who I think is my second rated receiver running back in next year's class. He's like 30 in the thirties on 24 seven, because he was like, he, he basically, he he was supposed to be like the third string guy at North Cobb this year and and down in Georgia ended up kind of being actually like really freaking good. Um, So I think the services after another year, they're going to bump him considerably higher so i'm excited for him to come in in the meantime though it's just shipley and mafa yeah so i do wonder if this is going to be a little bit thunder and lightning and a little the cff team pushes back on me with this and i don't hold a lot of my cff uh pure cff opinions that closely because i'm an idiot but i feel pretty good about saying that i think this is going to be more thunder and lightning and that mafa is going to see a heavy dose of this ground game i'm sorry i just they don't have any depth. They cannot afford to run Will Shipley into the ground this year. They can't do it. I, I, I will push back. And I know, like, I, I'm sorry, CFF team. I know you, like, I usually just concede eventually with you guys because you're smarter on this stuff. But I, I, I hold this very closely. I believe it to be true. Yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be the case here. I mean, Sonny Dykes is wide receiver one or running back ones. Um, 
and by extension, Garrett Riley's um, have been pretty productive. I mean, Kendry Miller last year averaged 20 fantasy points per game. He was the RB 20, but he did get like a good bulk of that carries. They worked in Amari uh, Di Mercado. They worked in Amani Bailey a little bit, um, but they didn't have two guys like Shipley and Mafa where Kendry is a little bit more of a do it all where I think Mafa is very much between the tackles and is limited. He'll be like a between the tackles, a goal line guy. Um, but I, they probably won't use him a ton between the twenties. And then Shipley feels like a guy that they're going to use between the twenties. They're going to throw some passes to, but they're not going to use him on the goal line and they're not going to use him up the middle a whole ton. So I do agree with you. I think that this is going to be some thunder and lightning, and it's probably going to be uh, a bit of a frustrating split just because their skill sets are so different, but very compatible. Yeah, it's just, I, 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 th- and this is, it could just be like that I'm missing something because if to me, I'm just sitting here going, this is so obvious that I think this is what's going to happen. So we, we shall see. But I do think Shipley sees a pretty nice amount of receiving work this year. Still. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think Shipley is going to be startable for you for, for CFF. Yeah. And that will probably be on a week to week basis a little more, uh, at least more consistent touchdown upside just because I think yeah. the offense will probably be more explosive. So, um, yeah. that, that is also certainly a good thing. Uh, even if he's getting fewer touches, uh, can possibly score a couple more touchdowns there. The last one, I do just want to say, um, Jake Brinningstool has been getting a mm-hmm. decent amount of camp buzz in terms of just like he's gotten it every year, but I think this year was a little more interesting because it was like the involvement level. So I do like Brinningstool this year. Um, if I have him on rosters, he's not like an anchor tight end. Like I'm still probably going to need five tight ends on that roster if I have him. But I am probably not afraid to toss him in and even like nominally make him like my my starter if I have five of those guys. Uh, I think he I think he could have a pretty good year overall. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, you said he got some buzz in this camp, and they use him kind of like a big slot like guy. Uh, and I could see Garrett Riley liking that. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that they're gonna he's gonna be startable for you for CFF. I'm not really interested in him for Debbie though. He's way too thin. He's like what two fifteen, I think. I feel like they were listing him at like a weight last year, and we did this show and we laughed when we looked at it because there's no. It, they were listing him like two thirty five, and we were like, "There's, there's literally no zero chance that this dude weighs that much." They have him listed this year at six six two thirty, which is still super light. It's but. super light. I also don't necessarily buy that. He looks pretty thin. I, he to me, he looks more like two twenty. Um, yeah. So overall, I'm not super interested in him for Debbie purposes. I'm not either. Um, I'm not really interested in any tight ends for Debbie purposes. But that is just me. Let's go look at Duke. This is a team that I feel like we probably should like more pieces based on how much everyone likes Riley Leonard, their third year QB. But they spread the ball around enough, and I don't think any of the other weapons are interesting enough that I am, and I, I do care. I think it's just Riley Leonard, and I know some people talk about Jalen Calhoun, talk about Jordan Waters, maybe one or two other guys. I don't think in a regular, normal 12-team, four-to-five-man roster league that I'm particularly interested in either because I don't think – like, they're the kind of guy that they're going to get you 12 to 14 points, maybe. Yeah. And so, but like, there's no, I don't, in my opinion, there's no week to week upside there where I feel like I really want to start them. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Jalen Calhoun was the wide receiver one last year. He was a wide receiver 101 on the year at 13.7 fantasy points per game. Um, so I don't, I'm not super interested in him. Um, I do think that Duke is going to play faster this year than they did last year. Their pace was 101st, uh, but their OC, Kevin Johns, was at Memphis previously under Ryan Silver, Silverfield. Uh, and he was actually at Texas Tech under Cliff Kingsbury in his last year. So he has a more up-tempo background. So I think they are going to speed that pace up a little bit. But they were also super efficient last year. They were 35th um, in um, EPA per play. So I think that's going to dip a little bit. So that's going to kind of balance out. And I think it's going to keep the offense mostly the same in terms of production-wise. So, yes, Riley Leonard like Riley Leonard a lot, don't really want to roster Calhoun. I know there's the quarterback who trans who moved to wide receiver, um, Jordan Moore, and it sounds mm-hmm. like they really like him and they kind of want to get him involved in a variety of ways. I could see maybe taking a shot on him if you're you know feeling particularly strong about owning somebody else besides Riley Leonard in this offense, like owning one of Riley Leonard's off weapons. But I don't feel that way. He's a guy that I add to cues and just never draft. I've never even added him to a queue, quite frankly. Um, well, I like that we have a team like Duke and Boston College in there that we don't have to spend a lot of time on. Because I do think teams like Clemson and Florida State, uh, we kind of do. And Seminoles yeah. up here next. I think they are, as we talked about with Joe Broback a month or two ago when he was on uh, somewhere in that range, um, he has Florida state winning the ACC. I think they're kind of a trendy pick at this point. Yeah. I actually, I don't know what their win total is at now before I kind of liked the under, I think it was at like 10 and a half or something like that. And I, I, I think they lose at least two games this year, but I think the offense will still probably be pretty explosive as long as Jordan Travis is healthy. And that's really where this kind of all starts. I think his Heisman campaign kicks off immediately. I mean, they're, they're going to try to get, him involved with everything they did rush him less last year i assume they're going to do that again this year because again there there is nothing behind him that's really tate rotemaker aj duffy the the brock glenn the the true freshman in here like none of these guys for the goals that florida state has this year where they used all that nil money kept all these guys hit the portal hard again like they're building to a competitive year and if they lose travis it's all over yeah yeah, um, and, and I think, like you said, this, this does kind of hinge on Jordan Travis, and I think the he's the option that I want the most um, for fantasy purposes here as well. I mean, he was the QB 31 last year, 22.89 fantasy points per game, and I think that's actually a, a floor for him. Like, I think he's going to get – I think he's going to finish better than that this this coming year. Uh, it's like you said, I mean, it's uh, – his Heis- he has a Heisman hopes, so – it's going to start out early. They get LSU. Do they get them week one, I think? I think it's the opener. It was the opener last year. I'm assuming it yeah. is again this year, yeah. Yeah, so, they, I mean, it's going to start right off the jump. Uh, so that'll be really interesting. That'll be a great game to watch. Um, but I, So the, maybe that game you don't necessarily want to start, Travis, but I think the rest of the games you're probably going to want to start in. Um, I mean, I think all the position groups here really this offseason have had a pretty decent amount of hype, and Trey Benson has definitely been one of those guys that has benefited from that. Um, 
He came over last year from Oregon and immediately, well, immediately got into the rotation and by the end of the year was kind of the guy there. He, I think they talked about it this week or last week on um, Back to Debbie that he like set the record for missed tackles forced or whatever in a season, like according to PFF. He's a pretty good player. I'm still a little skeptical on the Debbie value. I'm a little lower than him overall. And I think, I think he's going to have a, a pretty good season, but I don't know that wide receiver RB1 is in his range of outcomes, like the RB1, not just an RB1. So yeah. I'm less excited to pull the trigger on him when I see him places. Um, I mean, because usually he's not a value. Usually somebody loves Trey Benson. Yeah. They think he's like the RB2 in this class or something crazy, and, and away he goes. Yeah, I I'm with you there. I like Benson. I don't love him, and it seems like I'm always in a draft where somebody loves Benson. So they end up taking him higher than I'm comfortable with. Um, he only averaged 14 points, uh, 14 fantasy points per game last year. Now, over his last six games where he kind of took over, he had double-digit carries. Um, he had 11.1, 28.3, 18.6, 15.1, 36.2, point oh five in that bowl game. So he finished the year really strong. Uh, RB1's under Mike Norvell at Memphis – Averaged 19.9 fantasy points per game over his four years there. But at since he's been at FSU, they've only averaged 12.8 fantasy points per game over three years. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the talent that they have. And I think yep. they do finally have a guy in Benson. And Mike Norvell does like to use a guy. So I am interested in him. And I think he'll be pretty good. But... Again, I, I agree with you. I don't think RB1 overall is in that range of outcomes for him. I don't even necessarily know that I think he's going to be an RB1 for fantasy purposes. He's going to be a guy you'll want to start, but he's not a guy I'm in love with. And, and, and here's the, the things for Debbie. Here's the thing with a guy like that. like um, Just because CFF is so hard to – like so much stuff changes every year. And Jared and I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, not specifically about Benson in my recollection, but just that – they have him rated as or like um, ranked as an RB one amongst the group, and it's not like they. I think he's like the RB four or something. It's not like they actually think he's potentially going to be the RB four. It's just like you feel so comfortable with his role and his volume and what he's going to see that a like an RB one finish. They they think that that's realistic, and so especially with all the guys that graduated this year, and that made sense to me. I think um, you know I, I get the the ranking him that high. I'm just. We'll see. We'll see how explosive that offense is overall this year. Uh, the pass catchers, I I didn't call them wide receivers because we don't know what Johnny Wilson is. <laughs> um, 6'7", 235-ish, whatever he's listed at there. Um, as some people say, he's going to be a tight end at the next level, the next Darren Waller, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was explosive last year, almost 21 uh, yards per reception, five touchdowns, uh, just short of 1,000 yards. Um I actually, uh, one of our one of the people that works with us over at C two C DM'd me yesterday and said, "I noticed you've been taking Johnny Wilson in some supplementals and some drafts. What's the deal?" And my response was just, "Like I think sometimes he falls in supplementals, and I'm not really 100 percent sure why. But I know once I have him on my roster in the season, and something happens, I can use him as a tr as a sweetener in a trade. And that's literally the entire reason I'm drafting him right now. I think he suffers a little bit this year because I'll have a few more other options. You know, it's not." Micah Pittman catching passes anymore. Now it's Keon Coleman. 
Yeah, and I think Keon Coleman is a better player and a better wide receiver than um, Johnny Wilson. But I, I think the thing that impacts Johnny Wilson the most is the fact that they brought in two uh, tight ends out of the portal. They brought in Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. Now, I don't think uh, Jaheim Bell is kind of like H-back-ish. Um, they'll use him in a variety of different ways. But uh, a guy that you didn't add on the sheet here and, and a guy that I'm definitely intrigued by is Kyle Morlock. Uh, they brought him in from D2. I think it was Shorter uh, was the name of the university they brought him in from. I have no idea. I It doesn't even matter to me. No. I have no idea. No, truly doesn't. But uh, Kyle Morlock is is intriguing to me because he's a more traditional size tight end guy. He's like 6'5". I think he's like 250. So they have a tight end that they can use in and around the goal line this year. And that kind of, I think, is going to eat into Johnny Wilson a little bit. Now, maybe not a ton, but enough that, you know, I don't feel great about him. Well, it's not like it's not like he was a super great red zone threat anyway. Last year he had five touchdowns. Like all, a bunch of his touchdowns came on deep stuff. I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't, they just didn't use him that way. Maybe it's because they were they they're so unstoppable at rushing the ball. Yeah, within ten yards that maybe I mean they they're not going to pull a Pete Carroll here and, and blow it. Um. <laughs> so and then plus they have Coleman now. who's six what four six five. He's he's definitely at least basketball backgrounds. Like he he's a tall dude. Yeah, uh, athletic coming over from Michigan State. I have always maintained that I like I've been a little bit lower than consensus at pretty much any step of the way on Keon Coleman. When he was a freshman, he was kind of one of those trendy sleeper kind of guys. I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. He was a year one zero to my recollect. Well, he was outside the top 300, so it doesn't matter. But I don't believe he crossed any year one zero threshold thresholds his freshman year at Michigan State, despite the fact that that was the year they actually had the good offense. So what does that mean? He is big and he is a pretty good athlete. He's definitely an above the rim kind of guy. I don't know that there's any sort of route running chops there or um, like technical skills that make me feel that he is a, a slam dunk Debbie guy. Like I think it's more realistic that he goes day three than he goes in the second round. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I don't think, He's going to like do really well on like the explosive and the jumps at the combine, but I don't think he's going to run really well. He'll run okay, uh, but he's not going to blow that the, the the rushing and the agility numbers out of the water, um, which I think will hurt me. It won't hurt him, but it won't help him and it'll help other players, um, which is kind of where I've been at with Keon Coleman. I He hasn't necessarily fallen for me but other players have moved up ahead of him so he has in essence fallen some spots for me this offseason he's a guy that i like but i don't think he's going to be very good for fantasy this year i don't think he's a guy that you're going to want to start um most weeks and i'm kind of with you i think he's like a fringe day two guy uh at the nfl level so I might even have him a little bit too high right now. I don't know, but um, he is Where a guy. Where do you that, have him in your C2C rankings? Uh, I have him as the wide receiver 34 for C2C. Okay. Who are the two guys ahead of him and the two guys behind him? Um, two guys ahead of him, Jacob Cowing and Michael Sturdivant. And two guys behind him, Antoine Wells and Alex Adams. And I have moved Antoine Wells up since the last time we talked about it. Did you move 
Brew McCoy down? Um, maybe like one or two spots. He's at my wide receiver 54. This is literally the greatest failure of my life that I that I couldn't get you to drop him more. I have Coleman at 27, wide receiver 27. And I have okay. Bo Collins, JoJo Earl, and then Dane Key, Jaden Greathouse on either side of him. So, okay. Okay, I I don't have I don't have Bo Collins too far behind him. Um, I have Bo Collins at forty seven, uh, and I have Adam Randall at twenty nine. So I had both of those guys like right around like thirty thirty five ish, and Randall's bumped up a couple spots as I've seen he's been healthier, and Collins has dropped a couple of spots. So they were really close to Coleman before. Realistically, it's all one tier and. You yeah. can argue any guy over another, and I would have a hard time arguing with you. The last two pass catchers here I really just want to mention are the two true freshmen. Mm. Um, well, I think I want to mention Destin Hill too, but let, let's cover these guys first. <laughs> um, Vandravius Jacobs, who is the – if we're going to make this comparison, Hakeem Williams is the Adam Randall of that group the big athlete, he is way less refined than Randall was coming out of high school. And I thought Randall was less refined than people wanted to believe. And then Jacobs is kind of the Antonio Williams, where he is a normal sized dude who isn't, he's not quite as athletic as Williams, but he's a very good route runner, very technical, catches everything, wowed everybody during spring. I don't expect an Antonio Williams kind of season out of him because there's just too many players in front of him. But I do think Jacobs is significantly more intriguing to me at this point than Hakeem Williams to the point where I don't even put Hakeem Williams in my queues because I'm just not interested in whatever the cost is going to be. So I just don't care. But I do put Jacobs in there. Jacobs falls so far. And then I take him the 13th round after I've stacked up the last 10 rounds of, of CFF guys is just kind of a stash type option. But I do think he can beat year one zero because I think if they're the offense that we think they're going to be, I think he gets some snaps. Yeah, I think he'll get some snaps too. And I think he serves a little bit of a different role than those other guys. Cause like you said, he is a little bit more of the um, Antonio Williams to uh, Hakeem Williams is Adam Randall. So I do think he'll get some snaps there, um, but I, I have I haven't taken either of them honestly because the drafts that I've been in Vandrevius Jacobs, he's not quite the sleeper that he was earlier, and I fully credit big wide receiver guy with that. That was one of his guys, right? Yes, I, I don't know if it was like specifically his or just like that team unearthed mm-hmm. some of these guys, but that like him, Tayshawn Lyons, those were some of the kind of the deeper yeah. guys that they found early on that uh, I, that we I think we all kind of ended up liking. Yeah, yeah, he's not Vandrevius Jacobs has not been quite the value that I was hoping he would be. Oh, really? He falls so far in my drafts, like legit, like tenth plus round every single time. I don't think I've, I've seen to- him go before that. I'll have to pull him up, but I know there's one where he went in like the like sixth ish, fifth ish. Mm, that's probably yeah. a little rich for me, just because I'm usually tapping CFF options in that range. Yeah, that's but the thing. if you're I've... just playing the Devi game, like you're just one of those drafters, then that's a great spot for him. Yeah, I I personally wouldn't recommend it, but it's yeah, if, if that's what you're doing, it's not bad. All right, let's go Georgia Tech here. Um, I don't. I don't really have a lot of interesting stuff to to say here. I know it's a it's a new coaching staff, and I think they're going to completely overhaul this offense. I think it's just a year too early to decide what kind of pieces I want 
I can, I'm 98% sure I don't have a single Georgia tech player on any rosters. I, I could be wrong there, but I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I, I don't know, Colin, do you have any Georgia tech guys that you're running out there on a week to week base? I don't have any that I'm running out there. Um, the only guy that I find myself adding to cues, there, there, there's two. Um, one is Travion Cooley, the uh, guy f- for running back formerly of Louisville, who we liked. Uh, he transferred over to Georgia Tech. He led the team in rushing this spring in the spring game, uh, eight for four, for 59, so not a phenomenal stat line. Um, but it seems like he's probably going to be the lead guy there or at least lead that committee. And he's a guy that we liked before. So he's a guy that will queue up. If I have him on a roster because I had it, but drafted him when his, he was a freshman, like I'm probably not going to cut him. Um, but I haven't found myself actually drafting him anywhere. Uh, and then the other guy is Malik Rutherford, who is a smaller slot guy. He's like a, a jitterbug type guy. Uh, he dominated the spring game, uh, seven for one fifty four and two, and the staff just raved about him. Um, so he's a guy that I'm interested in because their offensive coordinator. Uh, so they 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 hired um, Brent Key full time. He was the the interim last year. He's the head coach, but they're all, he's more of an offensive line guy. Uh, the offensive coordinator they have, Buster Faulkner, he spent. A couple years as the offensive coordinator with Blake Anderson at Arkansas State. Um, then he spent one year as an offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. That didn't go particularly well. Uh, and then he was the last three years he was at Georgia as like just a quality control guy. So I don't know what that offense is going to look like with him. But if he, if it has some Blake Anderson elements to it, Malik Rutherford's a guy that I might be interested in. So I keep adding Rutherford to Q's. Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but definitely a guy I'm watching. You'll add anybody to a queue. That's what I learned tonight here. My <laughs> my queue for our, uh, our our home league that we're going to be starting up here um, next week uh, is 438 players deep. Oh my! I think I've added like 50. I have I haven't gone too deep into it. I've for anybody that doesn't know, I've been moving all week. Well, really for almost two weeks. Um, so uh, there's there's not been a lot of fantasy content coming out of my direction unfortunately um but yeah i'll add pretty much anybody to a queue but yeah apparently yeah um louisville here i think there's uh i think we we think the passing game is pretty gonna be pretty cool here um the running backs i find myself taking jawar jordan super late if i need a running back really bad but he is not exciting to me yeah Uh, um it sounds like we're probably on the same page there. So let's not even talk running backs. Let's let's just talk. I think it's worth mentioning the name you the other name you have written down. Kiwan just is Kiwan yeah. Brown. Yeah. I he so again, this is another instance where he is definitely he's a true freshman. He's like one of those meatball kind of like five eight, two oh five kind of guys. Very specific roster roster construction that that leads you to a guy like him. And basically it's you have at least one or two elite CFF running back options. And then a couple of more that are pretty darn good. And then probably some Debbie assets in there. So you feel comfortable wasting a roster spot essentially. Cause I don't know how much he does this year. And quite frankly, maybe he never does anything there. He's a, I forget exactly what, where he was in this class. Are we thirties, forties, fifties? He was a three star for sure. So 
as like the the odds of that kind of guy hitting aren't amazing, and it's not like, um, oh wow, their head coach's name just totally went out of Brom. my head. Thank you, Brom. Not really like, in the past couple of years, he's really featured the running back at a high level, so he's not a guy that just immediately catches my eye when I'm going through drafts. But I have added him to a couple of cues depending on the depth of the league. At a when when Jeff Brom was at Western Kentucky. He had some s- solid rushing production um, dating back to 2014 when he was at Western Kentucky. He was there 2016, 2015, 2014. Um, 2016, 24 fantasy points per game out of his top rusher. 2014, uh, 25 fantasy points per game out of his top rusher. Um, Purdue, it's been fairly mediocre. So I'm not actively targeting a Jeff Brown running back, but I'm also not avoiding one either. Let's go to the actually intriguing part of this offense. Um, We'll start with Jack Plummer, and he's not the intriguing part, but I do think it's worth noting that he formerly played with Brom for a year at Purdue before he went, or a couple years at Purdue, but didn't really play that a ton. Went over to to California last year, was fine. And now he's back with them at Louisville with uh, in a, a conference, like we said earlier, not exactly known for defense with, I think, some pretty intriguing wide receiver options. So I actually yeah. think Plummer's a guy that lasts really, really, really long. And if you want to just point to a guy that potentially, potentially could be that guy that's, that's getting drafted as QB 70 and finishes as QB 11, Plummer could end up being that guy just based purely on volume. Yeah, yeah, solely a volume play. Uh, I mean, he looked good in short spurts with Brom at Purdue, but he just kind of had trouble staying healthy. Aiden O'Connell also similarly had trouble staying healthy. Um, But Jack Plummer stayed healthy all year last year, so maybe that's a positive sign for him this year. So, yeah, he's a guy that I I queue up to, and I have taken in one or two places. um, Because, like you said, I I think there is – there's a, a path to him being a QB two for fantasy purposes. Um, do I want to, would I put money that it happens? No, probably not uh, because he offers basically nothing as a rusher, but there is a volume path there. Like you said, Jamari thrash, we think is probably the wide receiver one here transferring in. Uh, I, 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 something that people do not talk about enough with him, and I, I don't know if it's because people just don't remember, but his dad played in the NFL for a while, James yeah. Thrash. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for the Eagles, Eagles, and then he bounced around for a little bit after that. I think he was on the 49ers for like a hot second and, and maybe one or two other places. But he's got these NFL bloodlines. He's pretty decent size, like around six feet, around 180 pounds, depending on what source you're looking at. And just based purely on market share, he actually was pretty good at Georgia State because for many years they the forward pass really was barely invented <laughs> there and then last year once they actually threw the ball 61 catches 1,122 yards and seven touchdowns I think he could do that same exact thing at Louisville it sounded like he had a really good spring there I don't think he's gonna have a hard time that's the kind of step up that I like not to USC or <laughs> you know, insert other big school here, like taking this, the smaller step up to Louisville who doesn't really have the depth chart to, to push him down. I think he's really intriguing this year. Yeah. I think he's really intriguing this year too. He's a guy that I, I have been targeting. Um, I, I mean, cause we know we want the, the wide receiver one in a Jeff Brom offense. He feeds his wide receiver one um, 
they've averaged 20 fantasy points per game every at least 20 fantasy points per game every single year that he's been at Purdue. Um, 2019 was 19.89, so I'm rounding up on that one. But there's year 27 fantasy points per game in one year, so we know we want the wide receiver one in a Brom offense, and it does look like it's going to be thrash. And I do think the NFL will kind of like those those NFL bloodlines too, and the the, the production that he'll put up this year. So. I think he gets drafted ultimately. So uh, I think he is, he's definitely the most intriguing piece on this offense for me. The other guy that I think is probably more talented, but is not as experienced and it's an even bigger step for him is Kevin Coleman. who's coming up from yeah. Jackson state. It's part of that group that went there with Dion last year um, was fine uh, from a productivity standpoint, had the big, um, I, I don't know. Is it considered a bowl game or whatever that game is that they play at the end of the year? Um, he, he had a, yeah, a, a I don't big game and I, I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. Somebody will DM me and correct me. Probably. Wow. Well, probably somebody in our crew by 5. AM. Um, <laughs> but I, Coleman steps in there. He is kind of, you know, slightly undersized wins downfield, pretty solid after the catch, but not super physical. I'm interested to see how he does here. I have, I have some pretty decent hopes for him, and I think it's realistic to expect him to be the wide receiver two this year and step into the wide receiver one role the year after that. Yeah, I think that's realistic. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you as Coleman. I don't think he's really going to do much this year, but it's a play for the future. So I, and I think he was a pretty high recruit as well. So I think Jeff Brom did well to get him there. Um, so I am interested in Coleman. There's two other wide receivers on the team that I think are at least worth mentioning. I'm not actively targeting these guys. I'm not drafting them, but they're names to just be aware of. Amari Huggins, Bruce, he was like the guy, the, the holdover out of that wide receiver room, really. Um, we'll see what he ends up doing production-wise. I, I still think it's going to be Thrash and then for this year and then Coleman for the future. Uh, and then I know Mike um, from our site, Mike Valerie, likes uh, Chris Bell. I'm not a huge Chris Bell guy. I'm not super interested. But it's just a name to mention. Yeah, I'm not interested in either of the Bells. No Chris Bell, no Dylan Bell over at Georgia. None of them. No Bells for me. Uh, Miami. Saved by the Bells. <laughs> hey, oh, that, can be your, that can be a team name. There you go, Colin. <laughs> um, Instead, of, what do you usually name your team? Show me them TDs. I think that's you. That's usually no, you no. I'm CDs nuts. Uh, okay, okay. I knew I knew you had one of those. Just it's know, my initials. Inappropriate names. Yeah. And then my logo is usually like uh, I found this image one time like years ago. I don't even remember where. It's a Mr. Peanut uh, laying on a bearskin rug in front of a fireplace, wearing like heart boxers. And it says uh, something about like roasted nuts on it. I've never so. thought less of you than I do in this moment. And that's, so that's really saying something. <laughs> Miami, um, much like Texas, every year is their year until it isn't. Um, I am not as optimistic as some are that this offense takes a big step forward with the new OC. Um, again, name escaping me, but he was at Houston the past couple of years. Dawson. Thank you. Um, I can't be worse than last year. I mean, that's like really the only thing I have positive <laughs> to say about it. I still don't think, I think Van Dyke bounces back a little bit, but I think the 
hype over him last year was just totally unwarranted. We talked about that all the time on the show, and that I think I think we were correct. Um, I mean, I don't really have much Van Dyke, and I'm really happy I don't because I don't know. Is he a buy? Is he a sell? Like I don't. I I, I he's just kind of a guy that is floating around out there, and not much you can do with him at this point. Yeah, he's a hold or a cheap buy for me because I don't think you can sell him for much. His stock nosedived with the terrible year that they had last year. Um, and yeah, they bring in Shannon Dawson as the offensive coordinator who was under Holgerson at Houston and under Holgerson at West Virginia. Um, Dawson spent one year away from Holgerson with uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And they had a 51% pass rate and a, and they ran 69 plays per game, which were both the highest or the second highest of Mark Stoops's career. So the, if, if the big question is it will Christabel actually let him loose and let him call plays. If he does, I think there will be an uptick in volume. Um, so that could help Van Dyke. And I think Van Dyke ultimately gets drafted somewhere by the NFL well, it's probably day three. It's probably like a fourth, fifth round guy if I had to take a guess. So, I mean, you could do a lot worse. So that's why I say he's like a cheap throw in or a hold at this point. And if he has a huge year, maybe that bumps him up a little bit. Cristobal has never let somebody loose. I'm making air quotes here as we're sitting here. <laughs> it's literally never happened. I will believe it when I see it. Running back room. Poor one out for Javante Citizen. I, we've yeah. talked we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It, it, the the dream isn't dead, but it's definitely not looking amazing for him. Had the knee injury last year. Literally no positive news at all. We're, no news uh, at over all. a year ago. Yeah. What, what were we gonna say? I said no news at all. Yeah. Um, I was literally looking today, and the last update, last like actual news that I can find is that he was. Um, not practicing in spring. Um, yeah, that's helpful. so he's yeah. So, like that's that's all I could find. Uh, they I, they did when the knee injury happened. They said it was significant. So, that's definitely not a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's the dream's not dead with him, but it is kind of on life support. If the dream isn't dead, and I do think I like I I am if he's cheap enough, kind of interested in seeing what can happen with him uh it could very well be a trey benson situation where he had some rough knee injuries his first couple years in school and has now rebounded his value um but let's assume that he he's not really playing this year again at this backfield i think is just a lot of uh not sexy it's you've got what don cheney there you've got uh, true freshman Mark Fletcher, who some people are starting to uh, be intrigued by. They've also got true freshman. Does he go by Chris or Christopher Johnson? I, I don't really know, but he's kind of a smaller, super, super fast jetpack kind of guy. Any other running backs on this roster really intrigue you, Colin? Fletcher, for, it, it seems to me, either goes like the second round of supplemental or like the 12th. Yeah. And the 12th, I'm kind of cool with that. The second is just awful value. He's not very good, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't really like him when he was going to go to Ohio State. Um, I don't really like him at Miami either. I just, I don't think he's a high power five type of a back. Um, I didn't even have him ranked, honestly, until recently. 
uh, and that's as he's been gaining some buzz. And he he's just like so far down. He's at the back end of my rankings. Where did I end up putting him? Um, he's at a hundred and twenty eight. 127, sorry. Just behind Marlon Gunn. Um, that feels fair. Um, like in my opinion, he is an even less juicy Damian Martinez. Like juice is in like burst, yeah. first step, ability to make a guy miss. I don't think Fletcher can do any of that. No. He's just a he's Audric Estime all over again. And I've fought the Estime folks for years, and obviously Estime is valuable now. Not uber valuable, not as valuable as people wanted him to be, but purely because every other running back at Notre Dame, something is they're they're going through Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and estimates Charlie at the end. So Fletcher does have that kind of upside, but like in the long term, but I, I'm not really interested at all for him now. The wide receivers, I'm going to come out and say it. I don't care about any of these dudes. I don't care about <laughs> Colby Young. I don't care about Xavier Restrepo. I don't care about the only guy that I even think is interesting. And I don't think he's rosterable right now is Nathaniel Joseph, the true freshman. Cause I think he's got a really kind of Rondell Moore ish type skill set. Nobody else in this team is interesting to me at all. Colby young is what fourth or fifth year guy. He's six, five. He doesn't move that amazingly like Juco guy. I Restrepo's this little slot dude. Like this, these are just not NFL profiles at all. And if we aren't super interested in Van Dyke from a fantasy perspective this year, why would I want any of these dudes he's throwing to? There, there's no value here at all, in my opinion. No, I really don't think there's any value here at all. Um, I mean, Colby Young was a Juco guy, came up last year, and then caught 32, 367, and 5. If you put a gun to my head and made me pick one of these guys, I probably do pick Colby Young. I was a little lower on Joseph, though. I understand Joseph, but like I'm not really all that interested in either of these guys. Me neither. Um, tight end, I guess the only real question is who kind of takes over for Mallory. I think maybe the better way to phrase it is does anybody take over for Will Mallory, who um, always kind of underwhelmed from a production standpoint, but was big and athletic enough to end up getting drafted. They've, they've got some other guys there, but I don't, I don't. I've kind of given up on Arroyo. Maybe I shouldn't, but I, I think it's finally hit that point. The thing with Arroyo is he's only played five games in each of the last two years. He just keeps like getting banged up. I like Arroyo's talent. He was a guy that I was definitely interested in last year, and then he just came out and did nothing uh, last year. So the whole offense didn't do anything last year. So I haven't totally written Arroyo off. But I, I'm no longer drafting him. I have him in a couple places. I'll hold him just in case. But he's a guy that I'll probably cut pretty quickly if I need a, if I need somebody. Let's head over to North Carolina, um, an offense that we've quickly gone from thinking is really really fun with Phil Longo there as the offense coordinator, with Drake May as their quarterback, uh, and with what has been traditionally over the past few years, a revolving door of fun receiving options, new OC in town. I think everyone on our CFF team is not super excited about that change, but Drake may still there. 
and Drake May is a consensus top three pick in startups. And I think that that is fair and correct. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I would completely agree with that. I, yeah, there's not much more discussion that's yeah. needed on May. I just feel like the other <laughs> yeah. question is, you know, does he maintain his status as a, you know, top projected top five NFL draft pick? And I would, I think I would say yes. You know, some of these guys fall off that, that final year of school, but I, I think yes, I think he can maintain it. He's got great size, good arm. He was pretty accurate last year. He's mobile. Um, so I think, I think he's got kind of, he kind of checks all those boxes that, uh, maybe a guy like, like a Sam Howell really didn't cause he was, you know, five eleven or whatever, you know, some of these other guys that six, kind yeah. of have issues that, that drop off. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, you said, you know, will he, some of these guys drop off in their last year. And, and I, I think may will see a drop in production mostly because of the offense. They bring in Chip Lindsay's the offensive coordinator who is from like the Gus Malzahn uh, like tree coaching tree, if you want to call it that. And there's just not going to be the same passing volume that there was under Phil Longo. I'm not super concerned with it because I think Drake may is really talented and I, I like Devontae Walker. So I think he has a guy to go to and we can get to the pass catchers then in a second. Um, so even if Drake may does experience a, a dip in his production, I don't think that's going to affect his draft stock. I think NFL teams are still going to like him. So I still see him as a top 10 NFL pick. Maybe the slight drop in production sees him drop out of top five. Who knows? But top 10, I think, is pretty safe. Um, I really like Connor Harrell, too. Uh, like, There's a tier of seven or eight quarterbacks that I consider um, kind of premium stash options. For this year and he well i guess technically the premium stash options are those five big freshmen that we think have a pretty good shot but th there's kind of that second tier guy and i think harrell falls directly in it he seems to be available in a lot of supplementals uh, i know we like the offense a lot less but i think harrell's a really talented kid i've been stashing him a lot this year like him garrett nussmeyer mj morris um rashad jaden rashada the true freshman nova sad like the, uh, that kind of that second freshman group i think they're I, I usually want to have like two of those on a roster and i find myself getting a lot of harold this offseason yeah i like harold i was a lot more interested in harold again when phil long yeah. was going to be there yeah. i still think he's a really good stash i still like harold i'm just less interested now that we have chip Lindsay there um, is really kind of what it comes down to because you're not going to get the same college production that you would have before um and harold is a smaller guy um he's uh what six foot 200 pounds so that's more in like the sam howell range um so i don't know what the nfl is going to think of him we'll find out once he actually gets on the field and starts um so i like him i just i don't love him the running backs None of them really excite me that much. You guys forced me to use the my guy tag on Amari and Hampton in the Debbie guide because even though I'm not super high on him, you guys were just disgustingly low. I think he's a <laughs> day three NFL back. Um, George Petaway is kind of the the yin to the yang there. He, he's more of a pass catcher. Um, I don't know. I mean, they they weren't super effective or at least super efficient 
running the ball last year as a team. So I am curious. Their offensive line is not very good. So I'm curious if that improves this year. Uh, but I'm not clamoring to grab any of these running backs. And they didn't bring anybody that I really am in love with on uh, in this freshman class either. Yeah, they didn't bring in really anybody in this freshman class. I think the only guy was like, what, Jordan Louie? I think was the other guy they brought in and he's like, okay. Um, I, I should probably be higher on Amari and Hampton than I am because if Chip Lindsay runs his offense, it is more run heavy. And I think Amari and Hampton is the guy there, but I don't know. I just, I don't think Amari and Hampton's that great of a running back. He's fine. He's kind of like a bowling ball. Um, I don't think he's particularly, athletic i don't think he has the athleticism to be a lead back in the nfl um in terms of like the devi guide i wasn't there for that so for that discussion uh, on him i i probably would have been a little bit higher you might not have had to my guy him but you guys made me my guy blake quorum because you guys had him in like tier six or something ridiculous so because we're smart and you're not Someday so I don't, I don't want to hear having a my guy. And while we're doing this, we're going to do this now. I wanted to do it at the top of the show and forgot. Um, I My other my guy was Donovan Smith. Yeah. What about him? You know, you know exactly what about him. He apparently is your guy, too, based on where you drafted him. Start three quarterbacks, bro. I got to do something with the quarterbacks in this league. There were 10. 10 other quarterbacks still on the board that you had ahead of him in your rankings. I don't want an apology, but the listeners. I like that you think that my rankings are what I do in my cues. They're not at all. The listeners deserve an apology because you have defrauded them. Wide receivers at UNC, Devontae Walker transfers in, Nate McCollum transfers in, Kobe Pesor. Anybody else here? Do we care about Andre Green? You put would you roster Andre Green Jr.? I wouldn't. My I no, I wouldn't either. If I had him and I didn't have, like, depending on what my cuts are for my, my supplemental, I would consider keeping him, but I am not drafting him. Um, I... I thought he was pretty raw coming in, um, but year one zero, which does not help at all. They brought in two other transfers. They brought in Devontae Walker ahead of him. Devontae Walker has been lighting it up in the spring. And then, you, like you said, it could be Pesor and Nate McCollum fighting for the second guy here. It doesn't even sound like Andre Green Jr. is necessarily going to be the third guy either. Um, so... I don't know what kind of production he's going to have this year, two years of no production. And then again, we're trying to go back to chip Lindsay, probably not going to be super productive offense after Drake may leaves. I just don't know what there is with Andre green. I mean, there's still some potential for the NFL, but that year one zero is, uh, is really a scarlet letter. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, I I'm, I'm wondering Devontae Walker, I, I'm I'm watching and paying attention to what ends up happening with him. Dane Brugler does not have him rated very highly. And again, Brugler's not gospel. 
but usually when they give you these lists preseason, it's a pretty solid starting point. And he had Walker is like a senior wide receiver, like outside the top 10, I think, if I remember correctly. That is, I think, noteworthy that he has him that low. Mm-hmm. But I will say some of Brugler's choices really surprised me. He had Tyler Warren as his tight one in his top five tight ends. I think it was for senior tight ends, not. Uh, underclassmen, but I don't remember whichever distinction it was. He had him as number five. Tyler Warren is not that. I mean, he's a Penn State tight end, so will he get drafted? I don't know. Maybe. But he's more like an H-back guy. I mean, I, I, what are we doing here with that? So uh, there's a couple other ones that are per- kind of perplexing. I think I- once we see Devontae Walker do it at the Power 5 level, and put up some really nice numbers with Drake May, like I think he will this year. He's going to be a, a season riser for a lot of these draft guys. And do you have any thoughts on Bryson Nesbitt? It was a guy that we mentioned last year, and he was okay. It doesn't sound like he was – it sounded like they were favoring Kamari Morales or Kendry Mor- Morales, whatever. whatever. Yeah. I think it's Kamari um, in, in spring. I, so I, I don't know what that portends for, for Nesbitt, who is the more – athletic and upside guy of that duo for sure yeah he's more athletic he's got more upside um i I feel like i'm repeating myself here but with chip Lindsay, i'm not you know the offense has lost some of its shine that it had with with uh phil longo and nesbitt's like six five 230 pounds so he's not small but he's gonna need to put on weight to be like an nfl tight end so can he keep that same athleticism if he adds 15 pounds, 20 pounds? Hard to say. Um, so I, I like Nesbitt. He's okay. I have him as my tight end 13. So, but I know there's people who are really high on him. So I don't have Nesbitt like anywhere. And I won't end up with it, and I'm not losing sleep over it. NC State, that became a more interesting team overnight with the addition of Robert and I as their offensive coordinator. Devin Leary out the door, but they bring in Brennan Armstrong, a guy that is familiar with the ACC and has had a good season in the past. Two years ago there for Virginia, he's reunited with Anai, his former OC there. Anai um, did wonders with that Virginia offense, went to Syracuse and had them more productive than I think a lot of people thought they would be last year. So he seems to have the magic touch. He's flexible. He'll do the best with what he's got in terms of personnel. So I actually think NC State is really interesting this year. I think the big problem is that we don't have, we have either not seen enough of any of the potential wide receiver options, or we're just not exactly sure how the depth chart is going to shake out in the first place for us to make particularly educated guesses about who could be this year's, uh, two years ago, Dontavian Wicks, or... Uh, you know, Lavelle Davis was on that team and Billy Kemp and uh, Keith Juan uh, Thompson, like all these guys were pretty productive. I'm just not sure who that guy is going to be. My, my gut says to Kari Collins, who is now going by DJ Collins, just because I know the name I'm familiar. And I think he's talented and Clemson has been a mess recently anyway, but I don't, I, that's not a strongly held opinion. Yeah, I was, I was interested in Kari Collins, DJ Collins when he transferred there to NC State again because of Robert and I. Um, but I haven't heard anything about him from spring really. So it's like him, 
Porter Rooks is a guy that we kind of liked when, when he was coming out. He hasn't really done too much. Um, but I don't feel strongly about either one of them. Uh, the guy that I like in the wide receiver room is Kevin Conception, Concepcion. Um, I, I like him, but he's a true freshman. So I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be starting for you this year. Uh, I just think he could be interesting in a year or two, assuming a Robert and I stays because Robert and I kind of bounces around a little bit. I know people like the the freshman Concepcion and Vereen. Yeah, think Vereen. They're interesting stashes, but I think you can only roster. This is, I mean, unless you want to do the call in and have like three guys from the same position group and then you have some easy cuts later. I don't know that this is a team that I'm playing that game, but I mean, they're, they're, they're a contender to do that. Do you have any thoughts on the running back room here? I mean, they, I don't think they're going to be so there. There's nobody that's separated themselves enough for me to think that I want any of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Jordan Houston, uh, Michael Allen, the true freshman guys that are interesting. I don't have either of them rostered. If one of them starts to pull a pull away, uh, then that may be a guy that I, I target as some waiver pickups because um, I don't really see either of these guys getting drafted. But I think overall, NC State is a team that is probably a year away from being an offense that we really want to target. Now, the quarterback, Brent Armstrong, like Brent Armstrong, we've seen it in Robert and I's system before. So I feel pretty good about projecting Brent Armstrong to be good uh, for CFF. So he's a guy that I would target. MJ Morris the guy who's presumably the next up after Brennan Armstrong, um, I think is a guy who's very intriguing. He looked pretty good in some flashes last year. Um, so another guy that those are the two that I would like actively draft Concepcion and Juice Vereen guys that I'm targeting, uh, like a, a stash players. Trent Penix is, uh, an interesting like RB tight end hybrid. Um, he's a guy that if I'm, but like you said, if I don't have an anchor tight end, I could see myself taking Penix um, and hoping for the best. But nobody that I really feel that strongly about this year. Um, turn over to Pitt. My Pitt Panthers, our Pitt Panthers, the show's Your Pitt, Pitt Panthers. Panthers. Your Pitt Panthers. This is a team that is seeing a little bit of a transition. They're still defensively going to be doing the same stuff they they always do putting those corners out on an island, being deep in the trenches. They bring in Phil Jerkovic at quarterback, coming back home. He's from Pittsburgh, actually. This is his sixth season in college. His best, his really only good starting year was 2020 with Boston College, where he completed 61% of his passes, threw for just over 2,500 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions that season in 10 games. Since then, hasn't completed 60% of his passes in a single season, um, has a combined 18 to 12 touchdown interception ratio. Like this is a guy that I think he just is what he is at this point. He's big. He can run around a little bit. He does add some rushing upside. Not, not that intriguing overall. So I am not interested at all in Phil Jerkovic. I don't think he's rosterable. He was getting no, a first I, round NFL draft buzz a couple years ago too, by the way. Is yeah. I, I, I don't ever really see that with him. Uh, and I, I, I don't think he's rosterable at this point either. I don't even honestly know if I have him ranked at all in my quarterbacks. I think uh, I have him in like the 90s or something like that. Nope. 
I don't have him ranked at all. And I have, uh, oh, no, that's a wide receiver. <laughs> that's why he's not showing up. I do have him ranked. He's 122nd. But if I'm going 120 quarterbacks deep, then there's a problem. Um, Interestingly I, enough, actually, Emmett Moorhead, 121. Wow, I don't, I don't have that many QBs ranked just because I tend to not think that that is that many rosterable in most leagues but hey uh, I, I agree i just i don't know i have a bunch of them ranked i think the big question for pitt this year is who replaces well it's not who rodney hammond replaces israel bonaconda the question is how well does he replace him there in that pit offense is he now with the jets went on day three uh people forget that is he probably doesn't have this job last year if hammond doesn't get hurt in that opener against West Virginia. So I, I think an RB two finish this year would not surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I um, Hammond is the guy that I want in this offense. Uh, like you said, he would have, uh, he was the starter over Izzy last year. It probably would have been, you know, a, a, a split backfield. We'll never really know because Izzy did run away with it then, but I like Hammond. I mean, I he think he's, RB two, you talked about him on um, chasing the natty this week in the running back position, and and I agree with a lot of what you said there. Like I, I think he's a guy that um, I want to draft, and he's available in a lot of supplementals. I don't care about any of the pass catchers on this team. No Kanana Mumfield, no Bub Means, no Gavin Bartholomew, a tight end. I don't think any of them are worth a roster spot. There's what's this offense going to throw for this year? Twenty five hundred yards max so for somebody to be uh startable they need to be you know 30 plus percent of the uh you know the market share it's not super interesting to me yeah conato mumfield was a guy that we were interested in last year before he went there and I, i don't know i don't if you have him on a roster i think it's fine to keep him um He's not a guy that I'm like actively cutting unless, uh, you know, I really want to over- completely overhaul, but I'm definitely not adding him and I'm not excited about having him on my team. Syracuse, they lose offensive coordinator, Robert and I, which makes me think that there's going to be a lot of regression going along. This roster, Garrett Schrader is there still their quarterback. Garrett Schrader is still not a great quarterback, but what he does offer is some pretty decent rushing upside there. Uh, did get banged up at times last year and showed that they really don't have anything intriguing behind him, especially with Justin Lampson now transferring to Syracuse. Um, but I mean, 781 rush yards in 2021, 444 rush yards last year. Between those two years, 23 touch or yeah, 23 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy for the running back. He gives you a really nice weekly floor, but really only because of that rushing production. Last year, last year he completed 65% of his passes. That's the Robert and I effect, I can tell you right now. He's gonna get closer to the 52 and a 52.6% that he had in 2021. Actually, probably won't fall that far, but he will regress pretty significantly this year. Yeah, I think he's going to regress um, in terms of the passing percentage and stuff, but I don't think this offense is going to regress quite as far this year because they the offensive coordinator they promote to replace Anai is Anai's protege, Jason Beck. Beck was with him in Virginia. 
Um, he was with him in Syracuse as well this past year. So Beck is, I am assuming, going to keep this offense pretty much the same. And they keep Schrader at quarterback. They keep Gadsden at wide er, at tight end slash wide receiver. Um, they, have, you know, we, we'll get into LaQuint Allen in a minute, um, who will replace Sean Tucker. So they have some pieces on that offense. It'll definitely take a step back, but I don't think it's going to be a massive regression. I still think this offense is going to be solid for fantasy purposes. It's the following year when Schrader leaves and they have basically nobody there. They have Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Sounds like he's going to be the guy. That's when I think you're going to see a big regression. Um, I think this this offense is, if if I have Schrader, Allen, or Gadsden, I'm still okay with that. I still think they're going to be good fantasy options. LeQuinn Allen takes over for Sean Tucker. It's wheels up. He is now um, good to go for the season. I mean, that's the, the way to put it. He, he's a, he'll, he'll be full participant. He will be their starting running back. We had a discussion about this uh, amongst our group today. I'm skeptical on the new system. I know you just mentioned it's Tim Beck and whatever, but it doesn't mean that much to me. It's still not, not Tim Beck. until I not see Tim Beck. Sorry, who, who is it? It's um, Jason Beck. Jason Tim Beck, Beck was you. from NC State last Thank year. You. He's at Thank Coastal you. now. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't uh, – <laughs> I'm going to believe it when I see it. Their argument was just he's going to get some volume. So um, that, that very well might be the case, probably an RB2 this year. Um, I, I mean – I like him. He's one of those guys that I diversify in kind of that second, third pool of running backs that, that tend to be floating around out there. Yeah, I, I'm not quite as high on LeQuint as some other people are at our site. I think he's just, I think he's fine. Um, he's definitely not Sean Tucker, and I think Sean Tucker uh, was really the reason, Sean Tucker's talent was really the reason that he had the numbers that he did last year, but he also disappointed from what we thought he was going to do because that, a nice system, the system that I am assuming Beck is also going to run this year, doesn't really focus that much on the running back. Um, you know, they used Tucker because of how talented he was, but I don't think they're going to use Allen in quite the same way. Uh, so I, he, Allen's fine. Um, I'm, he'll be okay as a starter for you for CFF, but he's not a guy that I'm clamoring to go get. Ronda Gadsden is a fun player because he is that cheat code. He has the tight end eligibility on fan tracks this year. We all love him. But he could have a slightly worse year than last year. It doesn't matter because he's a tight end and he'll yeah. still, you know, that that's a great <laughs> designation for him overall. Uh, my problem with being super aggressive on a guy like Gadsden is that I, I do not think he's an NFL, like a real, real NFL player. Like we're talking – you you go watch Aronic Gats and tell me what he does better than a guy like A.T. Perry, who just went in, what, the sixth, seventh round? Like, these yeah. are just the kind of players that these guys are, these tall, lanky ball skills. A lot of their, uh, you know, quote-unquote ability to separate is so overrated by people will go find one or two clips of them and post them on Twitter, and everyone falls in love with it. And they're just not that – they're not that quality of player. They're really, really not. Gadsden definitely falls into that category for me. I have – I have no interest in, in thinking that he's an NFL guy. Every piece of value that I'm taking away from him this year is because he's a tight end. That's it. And you probably only get one year. So it, because I think he thinks he can go to the NFL and be, you know, a, a pretty decent draft pick. He, his dad played the NFL. So um, they have some experience there. So I, I just like, 
I get, and it's it gets the you know the bully tight end, the, the that 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 anchor tight end that you can have on your roster, but there's not a lot of other fun stuff there like the other guys like Bowers, like JT Sanders. Um, you know, he does not have that upside in my opinion at all. No, I don't think he has NFL upside either. I agree with you on that front. His value is solely tied into the fact that he can he's tight end eligible. Uh, last year, he put up 61 catches, 969 yards, and six tight end or six touchdowns. I mean, I, I think that maybe the yardage isn't won't quite be there because uh, that's that's pretty efficient. But I think the other numbers are very repeatable, and that's that's those are great numbers for tight ends. Um, he does have two years of eligibility left, so or at least two years. I don't know. Eligibility yeah, I don't think he takes nowadays, it, which is the issue. But that's that's the thing. Does he take it? Does he not? Uh, I have him ranked as my tight end three um, for C2C purposes just because of that cheat code. Now, for Debbie purposes, um, he's he's pretty far down there for me. Um, I actually don't even have him ranked for Debbie, um, which could be because he was a wide receiver. For a yeah, I don't think I do either. I actually need to go in and play around with that a little bit. Yeah, but... I mean, realistically, I only have 35 Debbie tight ends ranked. Where's he going to slot in for me? I don't know, 20, 25. But, and that's just a guess off the top of my head. I don't feel great about that. Virginia. I don't care about anybody <laughs> on this team. No. Next. I know some people, Mike is hyping up Malachi Fields. That was one of his misfits. Don't I'm not interested. Sorry, um, I also actually don't really care about anybody on Virginia Tech. I know some people like uh, what Tootin, the running back there, or whatever. Yeah, I'm. He feels like in a CFF league, maybe you have to kind of take a, that kind of play, but in a C2C, I will way rather just wait to actually see a little bit of it before I draft any of it. So not interested. Yeah, I, there's not really anybody on this team that I'm interested in either. They bring in Kyron Drones, who is um, like he's a mobile guy, but I don't think the offense is going to let him run around. Um, Malachi Thomas, if I'm gun to my head, forced to pick one person on this Virginia Tech team, Malachi Thomas, the running back, is probably that guy for me. Um, I think there's a little bit of intrigue for him. Um, he was their main guy last year. He averaged 14 fantasy points per game. Not anybody you want to start, but you could do worse. Wake Forest, we'll bring it home. The the bottom of this conference from an alphabetical perspective is uh, really, really rough. But we do have Wake Forest, who has some pieces that we think are going to be good this year. No more Sam Hartman. He's now at Notre Dame. We do have Mitch Griffiths stepping in, and we did get a little taste of what Mitch Griffiths can do last year in that opener when Hartman was out. And he looked pretty competent. And mm -hmm. I think we expect him to not be Hartman, but still be pretty good this year. That offense should probably still click a little gimmicky. They force the field quite a bit. They've always got some guys in the boundary that can do a few things. So I think Griffiths is, I, I have been stashing him late uh, in some league, not really stashing, like to drafting him as like a sixth quarterback option. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Uh, he's definitely not going to be Hartman. Like Hartman ran this offense very, very well. But like you said, Griffiths ran it pretty well. Granted, it was against VMI, um, so not a great team. But I think Griffiths will be fine. 
I'm totally fine having him as like my QB five, six on a roster. Uh, and I think he'll keep this offense uh, and this team competent. Uh, I don't have the running backs. I don't find myself drafting any of them. I know it's supposed no. to be Ellison as the starter, but I actually think um, eh, the, the tiny guy from last year is more intriguing in his name. Claiborne. Uh, <laughs> I forget what it is. Um, it's not Townsend. Like it was, it's I feel like it's Claiborne. I don't know. We'll we'll have our we'll we'll have the the producer look that up while we continue to talk yeah. here. Um, the receivers that were really interesting. I think Jamal Banks, Donovan Green are the two. Um, any thoughts on either of those guys? Do you do you have you been uh, hitting the draft button on either of them? Uh, yeah, Jamal Banks is a guy that I like. Um, I like him a good bit for um, CFF purposes. I have him clustered in my like top. CFF group up there, like Alex Adams, Jamari Thrash, Derwin Burgess, Tyron Smith, Justin Lockhart, Jordan, Jordan Curley, Jamal Banks, Jamal Banks, wide receiver 42. Um, he's got two years of eligibility left if he wants it. We're assuming again, eligibility is made up, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but I, Jamal, I, I think he's going to fill in for that AT Perry role. And is he going to put up, you know, wide receiver one numbers? For fantasy, no, probably not. But I think he's going to be a startable option for you for fantasy purposes. Um, and like I said, I think this offense is going to continue to be competent. So I do like Jamal Banks. Where do you have uh, Jamal Banks? Uh, where do I have him? That's an excellent question. I think I have him in like the third tier of uh, kind of pure, quote-unquote, CFF guys. Why does he were 55? So okay. in there with Curly and Lockhart and yeah. Burgess and some of those guys. Literally right there with the guys that I have him with. Yeah. So that makes me feel better. Um, and it is, it's DeMond Claiborne, by the way, who apparently uh, has ah. bulked up a little bit this offseason and is no longer the 180 or 185 or whatever he was last year. So that's, that is good to hear. Um, well, that's going to do it for this week's show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We'll, we'll be back next week to cover what CUSA, I believe, is the next conference up on the schedule. Make sure you're checking out all the other shows here on the Campus to Canton podcast feed, of course, the YouTube channel and campustocanton.com. Um, that's that's all I've got. No uh, no other um, housekeeping tonight. We'll get yelled after that, but that's okay. We, uh, we, want, we want to get you guys out of here. So until next time, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.